my fellow citizens, our Earth is in the middle of a crisis, plunging deeper into chaos. No, I feel your pain and your loss. We can't stand idly by and let this happen. We must rise up and... (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. Damn it. Well, this is awkward. Hi, my name is Josh Shell, and I am the host of the Let's Start a Cult podcast, where each episode, myself and some guests take a look at different cults from around the world, for educational purposes only, and definitely not to start our own cult. Join me every other week as we break down dangerous religious cults, political extremist groups, and every other kind of cult in between. Should I apologize for the terrible southern accent? No? Okay. Subscribe and listen to Let's Start a Cult anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, this is Ben. And I'm Karen. We're back after our two-week hiatus. Hope you enjoy. so fucking weird you love it i had to redo our song it's been two weeks since we've done an episode i forgot what our song sounds like i like our song i had to redo our song let's not redo our song (laughs) (laughs) oh sorry guys i know it's been two weeks since we've done an episode shit's gotten busy over here with job with work Job and work is the same thing. <laughs> We're just going to give you synonyms. We got a job tonight. and a work. <laughs> and school and kids. So I am sorry that it's been two weeks. Education. Education. Was- <laughs> Another synonym there. <laughs> Higher learning. <laughs> uh, but, and oh yeah, also, I know I promised that we would take it easy on you guys, but. Yeah, Karen said, fuck y'all. <laughs> She's giving you like an even harder one than last time, so. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't think she is sorry. She chose this one on purpose. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so I am sorry that we've been gone for two weeks, but I promise we won't do that to you guys again for at least a little bit. Ben is actually going to give you guys another Florida Man episode next week. Yeah. A crazy fucker's been on a rampage still, and somebody needs to like put him in his place. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like a superhero. <laughs> He's Captain, an anti-hero. Captain Florida, <laughs> <laughs> who happens to live in South Carolina. <laughs> what? These are their stories. <laughs> what is that? That's something. No one is listening to this episode anymore. They're all gone. <laughs> oh man i'm sorry it's been two weeks i forgot how to podcast (laughs) aren't i supposed to use words all right so yeah let's let's start talking about what this podcast is actually about what you got for us today biggs the case we're covering tonight is the horrific murder of 16 year old yunku furuta This poor girl was forced to endure 44 days of some of the worst, most extreme, and just completely unimaginable torture I have ever heard of. 44 days, man. That's fucking crazy. The deprivation that Junko suffered for approximately 1,056 hours. Jesus. Is the kind of crime that will keep you up at night wondering how such awful barbaric and just monstrous humans can exist right and i can actually attest to that i've been having nightmares and the worst time sleeping yeah you haven't slept at all while i've been researching this case same thing as last time pick an easier case next time please that's why we're doing florida man i'm talking about for your case (laughs) that's my case (laughs) all right so i warned y'all so buckle up, because this one is going to be a brutal ride. Yeah, big trigger warning here. Like, if, if the last one got to you a lot, which, if you're human, it did. But if you couldn't handle the last one, just just know that it does, it is a little bit worse this time around. 
By all accounts, Yunku Furuta was a bright student. She never skipped school and always maintained high grades. She was just an all-around good kid. She was a junior at Jashino Minami High School in Misato, and she was also working part-time two days a week at a local plastic molding shop. She had been working to save money towards a college education. Junko was definitely a beautiful girl, and she had her fair share of admirers. Admirers. That's kind of like rural. No one can say those words. It's kind of like what? Rural. Rural. I didn't hear you. Stop. <laughs> rural. <laughs> rural. Sounds like your stomach's growling. Rural. <laughs> 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 This is the Random Noise Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We've lost all the listeners. They're gone. Yeah. But we'll gain new ones with their (laughs) random noises. (laughs) But Junko had a good head on her shoulders. And she was focused on her studies and preparing for her future. Junko did not smoke. She did not drink alcohol. She did not do drugs. I mean, she was just an all-around good, bright kid. And how old was she at this time? 16. She was pretty much a parent's dream child. Sounds like it. And I think that's important to remember throughout Junko's story, is that she was a kid. Yeah, a baby. Sadly, Junko caught the attention of Hiroshi Miyano, who was well-known as the school bully. Unfortunately for Junko... Miyano wasn't just your typical high school bully. He was in league with the Yakuza, which is pretty much a mafia-like gang in Japan. Mm. The Yakuza are ruthless. One of their ritual practices, yubitsume, involves amputating the left pinky finger and giving it to their boss as an apology if they've done something wrong. Yeah, fuck joining that gang. I mean, I think fuck joining any gang. This is true. (laughs) Fuck all gangs. Especially that one, though. Many Jakusa have tattoos all over their body, including their genitals. As we all do. I mean, you know, you do you, boo, but I don't want anyone coming towards (laughs) me with a needle towards my lady bits. (laughs) Not happening. (laughs) The Jakusa control drug trafficking in Japan. More specifically, methamphetamine. They also largely deal in human trafficking. The Jakusa seek out girls from poor villages in the Philippines. They then promise to bring them to Japan. They promise good jobs with good pay. And of course, the girls jump at the opportunity to help their families. Once the girls reach Japan, though, they're forced to work as strippers and to engage in prostitution. Jesus. And I know I went kind of off topic, but I think it's important to understand the type of person that Miyano is and the type of other boys and men that he associates with. Right. This is what he's grown up to know. So back to Junko. Miyano asked her out and she turned him down nicely. As you can imagine, Miyano had an ego the size of Texas. I'm sure he didn't like that very much. And he wasn't used to being told no. So his fragile little man ego just couldn't handle it. (laughs) And that's exactly what it is to say fragile little male ego. I wish I could simply say that fragile male egos are unattractive, but by now I think we're all aware that they're also very dangerous. I wish I could tell you how much of my time, more so in my younger days, I've spent literally coming up with strategies to shield myself from men's aggressive and confrontational responses to being turned down. I mean, I've heard horror stories from women in all, all, all races, um, women of all ages and social class. It's all women across the board. It's a shared experience. There's actually a meme that's been going around Facebook this whole week about downloading the Google Voice app, picking a fake name, a fake number, and setting up a fake greeting. All that so when a creepy guy asks for your number and I quote, you don't want to get gutted in a back alley. If he tries to call, he thinks it's a real number. That meme ends with, and I quote, go forth and don't get murdered, ladies. 
I mean, when's the last time you had to worry about that, Ben? Right. And I think a lot of people need to understand that every fucking body gets turned down. Not just guys. And guys need to learn how to fucking deal with it. Without murdering women. Well, preferably, yes. So, like, the fucking shit stain that he is, Miano was furious and wanted revenge. Of course. Miano felt humiliated by Junko's rejection. And unfortunately, this is what would later lead to Junko's death. On the night of November 25th, 1988, Junko was riding her bike home after work like she typically did. She was approached by whom she thought were two random boys. One of them tripped her up and she fell off her bike. The two of them then ran away. Miano, who had been posted across the street, ran over to supposedly check on her. Poor Junko was bleeding and bruised. Miano then offered to drive her home, and unsuspecting Junko agreed. After all, he wasn't a stranger to her. How was she supposed to know that this was all part of Miano's plan to kidnap and rape her? And eventually kill her. Miano helped Junko to get in the car, but instead of driving her home, he took her to an abandoned warehouse that served as a hideout for the Jakusa. Junko never made it home. Once they reached the warehouse, Miyano dragged Junko out of the car. There, he was met by three friends. Nobuharo Minato, Kamisaka Joe, and Jasushi Watanabe. I know all of these are piece of shit people, but again, props on the pronunciation. Or I'm sorry if I did that like terribly wrong. Don't be fucking sorry. They're all pieces of shit. I meant sorry to our Japanese listeners in general for the awful pronunciation. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if they're listening to us, they know it ain't going to be perfect. Initially, Miyano raped Junko not just once, but over and over again. Minato, Kamisaku, and Watanabe begged Miyano to keep Junko so that they could all rape her as well. Fucking serious? Mm-hmm. These assholes are like gray sprinkles in a rainbow cupcake. That's a good way of putting it. So like the fuckwits that they are, the dudes took turns raping Junko. And if that wasn't bad enough, they also gang raped her. Miyano threatened Junko with his Japanese gang affiliation. He told her that if she tried to escape, they would kill her family. For hours... Junko was raped repeatedly. Fucking awful, man. I remember hearing, and I don't know if it was sword and scale, or even salt looks like sugar, that the boys also took her to a hotel and continued raping her there. I searched high and low for that specific part of information, and I couldn't find that. But instead, I came across that she was taken to a park and they continued raping her there. I wonder what the purpose is of taking her anywhere else. I don't know. But, I mean, you know, I just want to give everyone correct information. Right. So I'm just putting it out there. Um, I can't remember which of the podcasts it was, but one of them, like I said, did say that she was taken to a hotel. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't find that information. They could have taken her multiple places. Then Junko was taken to Minato's home. Well, in all actuality, his parents' home. Their home was located in the Ayase district of Adachi, Tokyo. As you can imagine, Junko's parents were distraught about their daughter. Because it wasn't like her to not come home. They called her employer and friends, and no one had any information about her whereabouts. Junko's parents called the police on November 27th and filed a missing persons report. When they reached his home, Junko was forced to pretend to be Minato's girlfriend. Junko spent a total of 44 days at Minato's house. Those 44 days were filled with inconceivable torture and unthinkable pain. And the parents knew that she was there? Yeah, she was brought in and she said that she was... His girlfriend. His girlfriend. 
But still, like, and she doesn't fucking go home. I guess the parents are, you know, in that whatever mafia family as well. So they're not thinking anything's out of the ordinary. I mean, don't don't get ahead of yourself. We're, we'll get to that. Okay. I always get ahead of myself. You do. The absolute nightmare that Junka went through is so horrifying and just fucking inhumane that we definitely understand if you want to skip this one. Hey, this is Kate. I'm a forensic psychologist and crisis clinician, and I collect stories. Everything from true crime to trauma to parenthood. There's a lot more in common between depression and sociopathy or between serial killers and podcasters than you might think. Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss at iwbpodcast.com and iwbpodcast on social media. We're going to now discuss the extent of her sexual assault, heavy torture, and her murder. Going to be heavy. Junko was told that she was reported missing, and again, her family's lives were threatened. She was forced to call her parents. Damn. She told them that she was completely fine. She had run away from home. She was safe with friends. Most importantly, she wanted the police and her parents to stop searching for her. Imagine having to make that phone call that you're being tortured and then just so they don't potentially hurt your parents, you're having to call them and lie to them. Like, I don't know if I could like just actually get through it to where they would believe me. She was that good of a kid. She was, you know, fiercely protecting her family. Yeah, that's crazy. Junko's parents were confused and heartbroken by the phone call, but unfortunately they believed her and the search for her was canceled. Jesus. It has been estimated that Junko was raped between 400 and 500 times. Fuck. By up to 100 different men. What? Some men were friends of the four original guys. Most of them are believed to have ties to the Jakusa. Now, granted, that hasn't been proven with complete certainty, but where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, yeah. At the beginning of December, one night while the men were asleep, Junko was able to reach a telephone. She called the police. Good. This whole thing, though, is like a series of unfortunate events. One of them woke up and snatched the phone away from Junko before she could say anything. Fuck. The police immediately called back. Right. But Miano told them that there had been a mistake. So nothing happened with that, obviously. That's awful. That's like that movie, um, was it Telephone from the 90s, where the woman gets kidnapped and she gets locked in the, the attic and there's a phone there, but then the guy like smashes it. So she's sitting there having to like, it's cellular, cellular. And she's having That's to like, like in the 2000s, not, yeah, 90s? you're like a okay, whole well, decade like off. Early 2000s. But like, she's like clicking wires together and calls this random person. But anyway, they made me think of that because she calls the cops, but then the guy like takes it away before she could say anything. That pisses me off though, because as the operator or as the police, whoever answers the phone, if you get a hang-up call and then you call back and they're like, oh, it was a mistake, I feel like you should at least send someone out to that location and check. Mm, I mean, kind of, it happens a lot. I just feel like it should have been Think checked. About how many people with kids call 911, you know? I just feel like it should have been checked. I will die on that hill. It should have been checked. Here's where things take a horrible turn for the worst. And it's just all kinds of bad news bears. Like has already taken a turn for the worst. It just keeps taking all sorts of turns for the worst every, every time. They got pissed that she tried to call the police. So they began to torture her. Jesus. They stopped feeding her. She was beaten repeatedly. The boys kicked her. And forced her to lie on the ground naked. Then they took turns jumping on her back. What? She was forcibly and deliberately hit with heavy objects. They made her masturbate in front of them. 
She was constantly raped and sodomized. Miano's parents claimed to not know the extent of what was going on at first. But then Junko begged for their help and they did absolutely nothing. Well, of course, they're not going to fucking turn their own son in. They claimed to be too afraid of the Jakusa. So they allowed Junko's extreme physical and psychological pain to continue. Wait, so his parents weren't part of the Jakusa? No, the parents were not affiliated with them at all. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Right. So their story is that she first came to their house, claimed to be his girlfriend. They allowed her in. Then she begged for their help, but they were too afraid to do anything. Wow. They were afraid that the Jakusa would retaliate. The boys humiliated her by urinating and defecating on her. Jesus. They forced her to eat live cockroaches for their amusement. They forced her to drink her own and their urine. What? Shit is awful. They forced her to drink their semen. They forced her to eat not just her feces. Oh my God. But theirs as well. Her skin was burned with cigarette lighters. Her genitals and her eyelids were burned with hot candle wax. Fuck. They cut off her nipples. And then their most cruel and sick game started. They began inserting all sorts of objects into her vagina. They inserted scissors, Mm. bottles, an iron bar, grilling skewers, a firework, which they exploded inside her. God. A light bulb was forced inside of her, then crushed. I need a break. Yeah, this is making my stomach hurt. Oh, my God. We're going to take a, a, a quick break. We'll be right back. All serial killers live next door to someone. And Dennis Rader was no different. Better known under the pseudonym BTK, Bind, Torture, Kill. Raider was an expert at the double life. Devoted dad by day, savage killer at night. He managed to get away with murder for three entire decades. He built his children a treehouse that he later stashed Polaroids of his victims in. He calmed his daughter's fears when she told him she was afraid of the serial killer on the loose. The only thing I can figure out, the killer later said, is that I have compartmentalized somewhere in my body. I can live a normal life and quickly switch from one gear to the next. I guess that's why I got away with it. Would you be fooled by Raider's act? Find out on the next episode of The Jury Room. All right, guys, uh, we're back. Um, So just still, you know, trigger warning is still going to be rough, but we needed that break, so let's continue. They hung her from the ceiling and used her as their personal punching bag. She began both urinating and vomiting blood from the internal organ damage. Of course. Junko pleaded for death, but they just continued to torture her. Due to the complete brutality and torture that she was subjected to, Junko was essentially disfigured. Her burns and infected body parts began to produce a foul smell. So the boys lost any sexual interest in her. They tortured her more instead. What the fuck, man? Finally, towards the end of December, one of the douche nuggets decided to grow a fucking conscience. And he told his parents about what was going on at Miano's house. And they didn't do shit, probably. These parents did their goddamn job. Good. And called the police. Good. 
Officers arrived at Minato's house, and surprise, surprise, his parents acted as though they had no fucking clue what the police was talking about. I mean, these pieces of shit even invited the police to come inside really, and search their home because obviously they had nothing to hide. Was she still there? She was still there. And then I shit you not, these damn officers acted like mall security rent-a-cops with the <laughs> IQ of a fucking rotted cucumber. And they were like, no, nah, we're good. Really? We don't need to come inside at all. Really? Obviously, you're not hiding anything if you're inviting us to come inside. This kid literally confessed. And you're like, no. What the fuck? I mean, I'm not a police officer, obviously. <laughs> but those were some police pre- officer bigs. <laughs> yeah, no. But those were some pretty extreme accusations. And they just didn't take it seriously. Do you think that's part of they know who the parent's son is and know what gang he's with? You think that had a part to do with it? I don't give a shit if he's the motherfucking president's son. They didn't give the situation the importance it deserved. I'm just saying, like, they were probably scared for their life as well if they knew who they were dealing with. I don't care. At this point, Junko was still alive, and those officers I mean, I didn't agree. do their obviously, damn job. Obviously. Maybe. Just Maybe. Had they done their damn job, she could have been saved. They failed her. They 100% failed her. They did. On December 27th, 1988, at around 2.30 a.m., Miano and his three buddies kidnapped a 19-year-old girl. Really? I didn't know there was two of them. I mean, they had nothing better to do with their time. Wow. They kidnapped her when she was on her way home. She was threatened at knife point into Miano's car, and then she was taken to a hotel room, where Miano and the others proceeded to gang rape her. Now, remember earlier I said, hearing in another podcast, that Junko was taken to a hotel room? Right. I think this girl is being confused, and this situation was being placed into Junko's story. Eventually. It later came to light during court proceedings that on November 8th, so roughly two weeks before Junko's kidnapping, the group of boys had committed a similar gang rape. This is not their first time, obviously. Now, when January of 1989 arrived, they started trying to figure out what to do with Junko. Because obviously, they couldn't just let her go. Right. On January 4th, They challenged Junko to a game of Mahjong. They explained that if she won, they would simply set her free. Yeah, bullshit. But if one of them won, he would then get to decide how to kill Junko. He's dead either way. But like a fucking badass, Junko beat them. Yeah, like I said, she's dead either way. She still beat them. She's been raped tortured, burned. They've done all these awful things to her and she still beat them. Pretty impressive. Going back to the fragile male ego, they just couldn't handle being beat by her. It infuriated them. Instead of setting her free, they doused her with gasoline. Oh my God. And set her on fire. I mean, that's awful. Please tell me that's like the last thing that happened. Please tell me she was able to die after that. That is not the last thing that happened. Jesus fucking... Are you serious? I am serious. Dude, this story really is awful. Like, this is probably the worst story I've heard. And I've heard a lot of bad stories. All right, keep going. Once the fire went out, they continued torturing her. She was kicked and punched while tied to a punching bag. Miyano, Kamisaku, Minato, and Watanabe got grossed out as she started having convulsions and bled from her mouth and nose and from the burns that covered her body. So instead of stopping, they covered their hands with plastic bags 
Are you fucking serious? Like fucking, so that they didn't get anything on them? Yeah, like fucking grocery bags. What pieces? I mean, they're pieces of shit, obviously, already. They taped those to their wrists so they would stay on. And they continued punching all over her. They threw exercise weights at her. I mean, how is she still alive? That is insane. Because this she little girl... She is a fighter. This little girl was a badass bitch. She really was. And you know what's she awful? She was so strong. It's kind of that, you know, catch-22 thing, man. If she could have just... I'm, I'm sure she was holding on, saying that she's going to survive... Like, she's going to get through this. She would have just let go. Maybe she wouldn't have had to go through a lot of this, you know? I think that that was probably part of her. She didn't... Yeah, like... It's, she, it had, she hadn't registered that they were going to kill her. So she probably thought that if she just held on, she was... A little was, bit longer, she She was going to go back to her parents. Which is, that's, you know, heartbreaking in itself right there. Finally, they untied her from the punching bag and dropped her on the floor, where she continued convulsing. They taped her wrist and her ankles and left her to go relax at a fucking sauna. Piece of shit. While they were out enjoying themselves and having a grand old time, Junko finally died all alone. I mean, I would rather die all alone than with them, so... Her story just breaks my heart. I feel like the original phone call, whoever answered that call, whoever called back, I mean, yeah. failed her. I feel like Minato's parents failed her. I feel like the cops that showed up failed her. I feel like there were so many times that she could have been saved. You know, those uh, the, the boy's parents that he did confess, like they didn't follow up with the police they could have gone over there themselves if they knew that the police originally didn't do anything. They could have done more, too. I just feel like she was failed by so many people. So many people. And I feel like her death 100% could have been prevented. Easily. Once they returned and found her dead body, they wrapped her up in several blankets, stuffed her body into a large travel bag, and taped all around it. I hit my glasses on the mic. <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> like I'm talking and I was like, plunk. Random noise podcast. <laughs> I have no idea if that picked up or not. We're going to find out though. <laughs> they dumped the bag into an oil drum, filled the top with concrete blocks, then filled it up with fresh concrete. Miano borrowed a truck from someone he knew Presumably a past employer. On January 5th, at around 8 p.m., they loaded the oil drum onto the truck and made plans to dispose of it by dumping it into the ocean. I got a little curious about the details, so I looked it up. You always get curious about the details. Yeah, a little bit. A lot of bit. <laughs> So the closest body of water to them was Tokyo Bay, which is an inlet of the Pacific Ocean on the east central coast of east central Honshu, Japan. So the distance from Adachi City to Tokyo Bay is roughly 25 to 30 kilometers, depending on which route they would take. So that's only like 18 and a half miles. So then I found three possible pretty straightforward routes from Adachi City to Tokyo Bay. So it would have taken them between 25 to 35 minutes to get there. Dude, you went deep on Google Maps. <laughs> I spent like an hour on Google Maps. <laughs> Probably trying to, How the fuck do you spell this? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, 25 to 35 minutes. That's not a far drive. But these kids were so motherfucking lazy that on the way, they passed an empty space near a development site and they just dumped the oil drum there. Like that's not suspicious and won't get checked out. Right. But, right, that's what you would think. But Junku Furuta was forgotten there for over two months. Really? Really. Damn. 
On March 29th, Miano and Minato were arrested for the rape of the 19-year-old that previous December. Women's underwear had been found at both of their homes. On November 16, 1988, only nine days before Junko was taken, a mother and her seven-year-old were murdered in the Ayase district, which is where Minato's house is. That was an unsolved case. It actually still is an unsolved case. So the investigator thought that maybe Mayano and Minato were involved. So he DNA tested those. No. No. The officer started questioning Miano, asking questions about a murder. Mm. The officer was assuming that the murder was the woman and the seven-year-old. Homeboy told on himself. Yeah. So like the stupid dick licker that he is. (laughs) (laughs) That one caught me off guard. I'm sorry. Say that again. (laughs) Dick licker. Nice. Put that on a shirt. (laughs) That's going to be your audio clip. (laughs) (laughs) So he immediately assumed that Manat... Remix. He immediately assumed that Minato was in the other room confessing to everything about Junko. So he confessed to everything and told the police where to find her body. The very next day, police went out to the development site and found the oil drum. Her body was decomposed pretty badly. It just sat in that oil drum putrefying for over two months. Mm-hmm. She was swollen from fluid buildup caused by severe malnutrition on her ankles, feet, and hands. Edema is pretty common with malnutrition and tissue death. That's why she was swollen. Gotcha. Junko's facial features were 100% unrecognizable at this point from all of the beatings and all of the torture. And then decomposition. So the only way that they were able to identify her was by fingerprints. On April 1st, Kamisaku and Watanabe were arrested for sexual assault and murder. Good. On April 2nd, 1989, Junko's funeral was held and it was attended by her friends and her family. At least they got closure too. I'm glad she was found. Yes. I'm glad that they were able to bury her. Yep. She deserves... That much more than staying in an old drum. 100%. By Japanese standards and laws, they were considered underage, though. Fuck that. Miyano was 18. Kamisa- underage? Kamisaku was also 18. I don't know why I keep calling him that. His last name is Joe. I'm calling everyone by their last names, and then he's... The easiest one. (laughs) I just call him by his first name the whole time. Good old Joe. Actually, shitty-ass Joe. Sorry. Minato was the youngest at 16, and Watanabe was 17. All of them are fucking adults. They're not, but they're going to be tried like adults, hopefully. Actually, all of them were given what I consider a slap on the wrist and really forgiving sentences. Which is? Miyano, which is the mastermind behind all of it, received the most punishment, which was a 20-year sentence. That's all? That's all. And his was the worst. He was released in 2009. Wow. Only to be arrested again in 2013 on fraud charges. They didn't have sufficient evidence, though, so he ended up being released without any actual charges. He then changed his name to Yokoyama, and Yokoyama is pretty open about his ties to the Yakuza, and he likes to flash the money he makes. He wears high-end designer clothing, drives a nice BMW, and is often seen at clubs and parties. Literally, his life is unaffected whatsoever now. Yeah, he has a... Fucking Jesus. perfect, fantastic life. Kamisaka Joe was given a five to ten year sentence. What? He was released in August of 1999. What? He got involved pretty heavily with the Jakusa again. In May of 2004, he was arrested again. 
this time for the kidnapping and imprisonment of a man. He was only given four years for that one. My God, man. Now, his mother is a fucking peach. She vandalized Junko's grave because she ruined her son's life. She ruined her son's life. Like, no, bitch. Yeah, no, bitch. Your son ruined her life and murdered her. I mean, I'm all for moms protecting their kids, but no, your kid's a piece of shit. But then I'm not surprised that he's a piece of shit because her son goes off and murders someone and she desecrates their grave. Right. He doesn't fall far from the shit tree. Exactly. Minato. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I sounded like Trailer Park Boys there. (laughs) Which you have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) I mean, I tried back when we started dating to watch like five minutes of it and I just could not. You got to give it more than five minutes. No. Fucking nice kitty. (laughs) That was a horrible bubbles. I have no idea what's going on. What's going on? (laughs) We'll watch it tonight. No. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tonight. <laughs> so now you're the, what's the, the the drink thing that like comes running into your house and like breaks your the wall? Kool-Aid man? Yeah, now you're the Kool-Aid man? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that sounds more like the dude uh, snapping to a Slim Jim. <laughs> I don't know who that you is. Don't, you don't fucking know anything. Who did I marry? I don't know. Who did you marry? Randy Savage. I think that's his name. Oh yeah! <laughs> random, please stop. Random sounds podcast. <laughs> oh man, we just got a new logo. Now we need another logo. <laughs> Picture. Oh Picture my of a god! Speaker. Oh, which speaking of our new logo, fucking awesome! By the way, I don't know if you guys follow us on social media. You should. You should go follow us on all social media. We'll tell you all the names in yep. a bit. But just real quick, go look at our new logo. There is this awesome, incredible, amazing artist on Twitter. Her name is Fleshwad. Look her up. She is fucking insane. She is so goddamn talented. Yeah. If you look at our logo, you'll tell. Yeah, she's amazing. I have no face. Minato was given a five to nine year sentence. That's like a super random number, like five to nine. Five to nine, yeah. He was arrested in August of 2019 again for attempted murder. He apparently beat a man with a metal baton. Because you know what they say, a cheetah can't change its pants. Change its pants, yeah. Or is it a leopard can't change its shorts? Mm, I think they're both wearing jorts. I think you're right. Yeah. Again, you know nothing. I know nothing. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, Watanabe was sentenced to five to seven years. Now, he's the only one who hasn't continued doing awful shit. That we know of. Uh, that's what. I, yeah, at least not openly. Maybe he's just really good at it now and doesn't get caught. We don't know. He's pretty low-key and lives with his mommy. Oh. <laughs> I feel like you want to say something. <laughs> like, your face. I feel like you're... I was just going to say, maybe his mom's a big-ass piece of shit, too, like the other person's mom. I don't know. I don't know what kind of person she is, but he probably lives with her because he knows nobody wants his ass after the shit he did. I mean, why do you think Homeboy changed his name? Minato's parents weren't charged for shit. Which is also pretty insane. It blows my mind and makes me super angry. I mean, I don't know what the laws are like in Japan, but that's like... An accessory to murder. I mean, Junko begged for her life. She begged for their help. They did absolutely nothing to help her. they blatantly lied to police officers, too, when they came to check. Their son gets a super lenient sentence because he's a minor, so he can't be held accountable. So then shouldn't his parents be held accountable? I mean, who is going to be held accountable for this crime? Somebody needs to be fucking held accountable. Ten years is not... Held accountable for shit. Ten, I'm sorry, 20 years is still not held accountable. The four men who brutally raped, tortured, and murdered Junko, all four of them are walking around as free members of society. And Junko, 
Her entire future was ended with unthinkable and relentless torture. She would have been 50 years old this past January. Yeah, she was just a kid, too. Like, it's hard to remember that, everything that she's gone through. She was 16. She was a baby. Just awful. I hate everything that she went through. But even more, I hate that we know exactly who did all of those awful things to her. And And justice was not served one bit. They didn't pay for their crimes. No, 20 years. He didn't even serve 20 years is not. She got no no justice. I mean, that was a really heavy one. That's all I got. I am emotionally drained. Yeah, like my stomach is churning right now. Please, let's do a, a little bit lighter one next time. Well, like I said, next week. Ben is going to do episode two of his Florida Man miniseries. I know we got so much feedback. You guys all seem to really, really love that. So Ben's going to do another one for you. Yeah, we're going to try to not go two weeks again between episodes. I know that's what we originally started doing, but man, it seems like fucking forever now. It's my fault. I ended up having surgery. Well, also started a new job too, so... There's a little bit of of life going on. Yeah, life sucks. Sometimes. Surgery sucks. Pain sucks. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Lighter news. Again, if you guys follow us on social media, we posted a picture of this super awesome coffee mug with our super awesome logo designed by Fleshwad. And we are actually going to have a... What's that word? I can't ever remember. Giveaway. That's it. A giveaway. We're going to be doing a giveaway. (laughs) You can't remember giveaway. (laughs) I mean, I remembered it in another language in my head. Oh, yeah. Say it. I can't remember it in another (laughs) language. (laughs) I was was hoping you weren't going to ask, Ben. (laughs) No, I just honestly couldn't. Like, think of the word. <laughs> anyway, we are, it was a good, good giveaway. Yeah, we're going to be having an awesome giveaway. Um, we've got these awesome mugs. Go check them out. We're going to be... so awesome. Everything is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch the Lego movie. It's awesome. Stop talking into the side of the mic. That probably sounded really weird. She's, we have new mics, too, and she's not used to them. <laughs> We fall. We tend to fall apart close to the end of our episodes, so I'm very sorry if things get a little loopy right now. The bottom line is giveaway, cool mugs, check them out. <laughs> Bullet points. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. Keep your eyes out. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're oh, confused. Is it keep your eyes out or keep your ears out? Keep your eyes open. I don't think we keep anything out. <laughs> Put everything up. Everything should be up and clothed. <laughs> Especially during COVID. <laughs> Nothing is out. None of your orifice should be exposed whatsoever. Orifices. Plural. You couldn't even say giveaway, so I'm not getting t- I'm not taking any shit from you whatsoever. I have good words. <laughs> what I was trying to say though before you interrupted me with your orifices talk. Don't that be confused. Sounds gross. Sounds dirty. Giggity, giggity. Okay, you're getting me distracted again. (laughs) If you're confused about what the details of the giveaways are, don't worry. We haven't said it yet. We are still ironing out the details, but we will post them in a couple of days. Yeah, it's coming. Hopefully by the time that this podcast airs, we will have the details ironed out and you will know. But it'll it'll run for two weeks and then we will pick, I don't know, a couple winners. We'll see how many... We can actually afford to buy. <laughs> we have to buy our own. <laughs> well, we will pick at least three. I'll say that for our giveaway. But yeah, keep an eye out for that. All right. So we keep talking about these socials. What are the socials? Fuck if I know. Stop saying fuck if I know, Karen. You guys can find us on Facebook. Fuck if I know. <laughs> 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 I legit can't remember. Hold on. Say it again. You can find us on <laughs> What? Hold on. Is that a, a new one? I don't know that one. 
I have to look that one up. You're trying to say Facebook? You can. <laughs> <laughs> See, we fall apart. You can find us on Facebook. Crime and Compulsion. I keep talking to the side of the mic. Yeah, don't do that. You can find us on Facebook. Crime and Compulsion. <laughs> Already can, said that one. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter. At Crime Compulsion. You can find us on. There's the Insta. You can find us on Instagram. Crime and Compulsion Podcast. You can go to our website. <laughs> Crimeandcompulsion.com. You can send us an email if you really want to. Podcast at Crimeandcompulsion.com. I think that's it. I don't know. I mean, you can try smoke signals. <laughs> <laughs> what? SOS. <laughs> or no, sorry. CNC. You should do send up CNC, not SOS. Crime and compulsion. Why are you over there pantomiming? <laughs> Y'all can't see her, but she's over there like fucking spazzing out right now playing an air keyboard trying to get me to go do 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 for some reason i was doing that <laughs> why All right, i think that's it goodbye yeah sorry till next time peace